Still, there was a feeling that my father had gotten away with something, that he was bamboozling his employers, while his brothers and sisters did the honest work that kept the world turning. All his gains seemed ill-gotten, somehow tainted by the fact that he didn't have to work for it. Despite their differences, it was obvious that they all loved each other. There were communal memories of suffering, hard times overcome, that my father and his siblings shared. We only ever heard stories about his childhood when he was in the company of his family. We would sit quietly on the steps to the front porch as he laughed with his brothers about the time their grandfather was arrested for moonshining or when their uncle was called out in church for beating his wife. If we asked questions or interrupted, the stories would dry up, and my father would look almost ashamed, as if he had not intended for us to know that there was such a thing as struggling in the world as if he had broken a promise made long ago that we would never know the price he had paid to get us here. His brothers and sisters were the type of people who thought making more money than what you needed to live on was just plain foolishness. The only honor they knew came from hard work and sacrifice. The new cars and the fancy clothes my mother, my sisters, and I wore failed to impress people who figured you were slow or just plain wasteful to pay more than $10 for a pair of shoes. Likewise, they set no store by my mama's buying a frilly expensive dress for my sister, age eight, who just that morning had stepped out of my father's Cadillac and into a puddle the size of a wading pool. Ought not to be buying a child things like that, my Aunt Anna mumbled. Aunt Becca added, could have fed my boys for a week on what that cost. Then she'd offered my mama that tight smile of hers the same smile she would offer somebody who showed up at church Sunday morning after missing two weeks in a row. Even as a child, it was clear to me that their disapproval of us was just as great as our disapproval of them. My father had six brothers and two sisters who looked and acted so much alike that for a long time I was never sure which was which. Rebecca and Anna were compact women, both from the same hardy farm stock. They looked at the world with the same steely eyes and both braced themselves every time the phone rang or there was a stranger at the door as if they expected only the worst news to come, a brother in a bar fight, a husband injured at the cotton mill. The only difference between them was that Becca had two boys while Anna could not have children. I was always uncomfortable around Anna because she looked at me with such longing in her eyes such certainty that she could do better with me than my mama had. I suppose now that she could have. My sisters and I were prone to talking back. We questioned everything my parents said, and like many upper-middle-class children whose parents had grown up with next to nothing, we were spoiled rotten and carried about us an air of entitlement. There was nothing we wanted that Daddy did not buy for us, and Mama was so intent on not being like her own mother that we got away with more than any children ought to. In fact, the only time we did behave was when we were around my father's people, because we saw firsthand the consequences of unwieldy children. Back then, with 13 of us kids running around, any grown-up who was handy was welcome to mete out discipline. And I clearly recall a time my cousin Boyd got into trouble for harassing one of the dogs. My Aunt Becca took him into Anna's bedroom to punish him. Boyd was about three inches taller than Becca at the time, but she still took him over her butt and beat him with a paddle my granny had always used for whipping. 
Becca was furious, and Boyd had always been more bone than meat. So when the paddle broke, Anna, who'd been brushing her hair at the mirror, tossed over her brush so that Becca could finish the job. This was all done while they planned out the next day's meal. Meals were important to the sisters. Where money was so short and affection was so reserved, good food cooked well was equated with love. They spent most of their time in the kitchen whenever the family got together, whipping up potatoes, gravies, collards, pinto beans, black-eyed peas, green beans, cream corn, corn on the cob, ham, turkey, and biscuits that were so fluffy you weren't sure you'd eaten them until you noticed all of a sudden you couldn't feel your legs because your stomach was so full. And then you'd eat dessert anyway because Aunt Becca was known for her cobbler. And if you ate some of her cobbler, then you'd have to eat some of Anna's cake just so you wouldn't hurt her feelings. All of this food was prepared while they shooed the kids out of the kitchen.